What happens when your children's school uses its assemblies as a platform for religious indoctrination? How much discretion do head teachers have in the content of school assemblies? And is Christian worship still appropriate in an increasingly multicultural and non-religious society? You're listening to the National Secular Society podcast, hosted by Emma Park. Today, I'm going to be answering these questions by looking at a case study. This concerns a primary school in which stories from the Bible were taught as the literal truth by church representatives as part of a weekly assembly. The school in question was Burford Primary School in the Cotswolds. I'm joined now by Leon Lazan Harris, whose children attend the school, to tell me about their experiences in resisting its enforced evangelizing. So, first of all, Leon Lazan Harris, thank you very much for joining me on the National Secular Society podcast. So, you're, you're here to tell us about your experience um, in opposing the collective worship requirement or, or difficulties with it in your local school. So, could you tell us a bit about um, what, which school it was that you were sending your children to and what, what happened? Okay, our children, um, they still currently um, attend the school. It's called Burford Primary School, and it's based in uh, Burford, Oxfordshire, in the Cotswolds. It is a, um, a state school with no religious character to it. However, it does form part of the um, Academy Trust of ODST, which is Oxfordshire Dyson Trust, Schools Trust. How much influence does the ODST have over the character of the schools um, within the trust? So we, we can only say anecdotally, Emma. Uh, so the before the before the trust got involved, so that our school have been sorry, our children have been involved in the school for longer than the trust has been um, involved with the school. So the the collective worship piece, which is primarily the, the, the crux of our case, existed before uh, the the academy as uh, so for the trust came in uh, all, all we can say is that a, a large part of our objection and what led to our case is that it is a a non-religious school uh, led in a christian way so in, a, in other words the the language that is used um, in an, in classes and in assembly um, and throughout the school is Christianity is basically the the true religion. The Christian God is the one true God, and there was and there was no dil- there was no dilution um, of of that within the school. And when the academy and when the trust came came into play, um, in our view, that was just it was just solidified. Okay, so let's just let's just take it back a bit. When you were looking for a school for your children, were you specifically looking for a non faith based school? Yes, yes, we were looking for a non-faith, a uh, non-faith-based school. Um, we are in the Cotswolds, and our catchment area. You only tend to have one school in your catchment area. Um, so for us, Burford Primary School, um, it was across the road from us. We were in catchment. All of their friends would go to that school. So for us, that's what we were looking for in a school, um, and the fact that it was a, um, a it had no. Um, religious character to it Um, the other schools that sit in the surrounding villages it might be worth noting are C of E schools so that's our choice really we either had Burford Primary School which was in catchment area or we had to look outside catchment area and it would be the next I think three schools in the catchment in the surrounding villages are Church of England schools. Okay and how many children do you have at the school? 
Uh, I we have two two children at school, and and could you maybe just say so you you thought you said, thought this was a non religious school, so you sent your children there. Then what happened? Um, so after we we raised it with the teacher, she confirmed that the every Wednesday, um, the volunteers from the church, um, Saint John the Baptist, would come in and um, teach Bible stories to the children. Uh, which kind of raised alarm bells to us because we, like I said before, we didn't know that this this collective law, um, collective worship law existed. So it was um, it was quite a shock to us to find out that this was this was being done in a non uh, non religious school. And this was happening in the assemblies, was it? In the assemblies every Wednesday morning. Okay. And who who exactly was coming in from the church to teach them? So they are volunteers from the church um, and they form part of a group called the Open Book. Um, apparently it's quite a, na- uh, it's a national, it's a national um, group and they've got a website and everything like that. And it's, they form sections or groups in churches and then go to the local schools to, um, to teach the Open Book Assemblies. So, so it's worth saying, Emma, the, the two things. Firstly, um, the the school didn't openly communicate to the fact that the school did sorry that the church did come in regularly on a Wednesday. I think that was the first thing. The second thing was we learned that there was no dilution to the language. In other words, they were going in and positioning Christianity as truth. It wasn't some people believe or Christians believe. It was exerted very heavily as truth. Um, and the third part is that some of the language that was being replayed to us was what we consider to be remarkably divisive, which is kind of what, what triggered our, uh, our our move to remove the children in the first place. Um, so it would be language along the lines of the fact that they were being they were being raised uh, for life in a Christian country, which isn't a tone of voice or language that we would expect to uh, to, to come from a non non religious school. So what sort of stories were they telling the children? Do you have any examples? Um, so they were, they would do the story of Noah was one, um, the Easter story of the crucifixion. But they were, um, but they were active. I think the issue but, were but they were also active. active. So they're not just telling the stories. Bear in mind, they're telling the Bible stories as, as truth and as fact that they actually happened. Um, but they're also acting out the stories as well. So are they, so this is the primary school, so so small children, and they're telling them that the story of Noah actually happened. And it's from reception age as well, so that's from five years old. Uh, and, and also, so, so Emma, the, um, if you took away just that basic principle on its own, the re- part of the reasons why it escalated, number one, it was uh, conveyed as truth. That was, that was our, our first initial issue. Uh, number two, uh, some of the uh, some of the the way in which it was acted out was quite graphic. Uh, so, for example, things like um, they, they were good the, the good Samaritans, where somebody gets beaten, or, or, or the crucifixion. So, they, they uh, in some instances, we we learned that the the form tutor needed to tell a watered down, nicer version of the story to the children before they get sent into the assembly in preparation, in preparation for what they were about to see. So my view is if you, if you need to do that in the first place, if you have to dilute your message so massively, number one, it's the wrong message. Um, and number two, we, we, we didn't only want this conveyed to our kids, as uh, didn't want it conveyed as truth. Uh, secondly, we thought the way it was done was massively inappropriate for their age. Sure. So, I mean, what in the you said beatings in the case of the Good Samaritan? How how was that acted out? 
Um, well, we've got it second hand. I mean, yeah, we're, we're certainly from the children. We were never allowed to go. We had when when we raised it with the te- the teacher, and then escalated it to the head teacher and asked to go in and sit on one of these assemblies. We were told no, we weren't allowed because if they allowed us to to go in and sit on this assembly, they would then have to allow parents to go in and sit in on subjects such as maths and and English so they kind of likened it to the to the curriculum which it's not part of the curriculum. Have you ever since been allowed into an assembly? No um, although now part of the result of our of our case is that parents if should they wish to go in and sit in on one of these assemblies they are now allowed to. The, the, import, the important point Emma I think on that one is when we did ask initially we were basically told a polite version of it's, it's not our concern and they'll teach their kids as they see fit. Um, it's only as a consequence of what's been a reasonably long uh, legal process that part of the concession that they've offered is that parents are now welcomed to, to go in and sit in on them. Okay, so so let's take your story a bit further then. So having learned this, what, what did you first do? Uh, so first of all, we, we raised it as a complaint um, to the head teacher. Um, and she came back and said basically what Lee had just said, that it wasn't really our concern. She was acting within the law um, and um, she was allowed to do it. Well, was it so the head teacher's decision to have yeah. it? Yes, it's the head. It's the head teacher's decision to to do this. Um, so then we escalated the complaint to the head of governors, um, and she basically sided um, sided with the head teacher um, and didn't think that we had any. It wasn't a. Well, we were told there was no. There was, was no, no conversation. conversation. Yeah, there was no conversation. We we basically the 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 line that we were hit with repeatedly was uh, the the collective worship law exists. Therefore, as a school, it is at the head teacher's discretion, and therefore she is operating within the law. And we were, and our option was to withdraw yeah, our, our only to, option. Our only option was to withdraw the children, uh, which is what we did. Us and a, another two families at that point withdrew the children from uh, from the collective worship assemblies. Okay, so you you and two other families withdrew your children from from the assemblies once a week at that stage. Um, yeah. And 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 what what was the effect of that? Why were you unhappy with that? Uh, yeah, we were we were unhappy with it because number one, we don't want to exclude our children from any sort of activity that the school are doing, or, or to make them feel excluded because their their classmates are going off to um, to an assembly and then they're having to stay back behind with the with the teacher um, and not really do anything. Um, it was fine at that time because. There was, um, they were allowed to all stay together in the same class, but I don't know what changed. And then as they got older and more people removed their children, they were all then separated again out into their own classrooms. So it's different age groups. Um, So rather than the children that were going to go see the Open Book Assembly, they were all together. And rather than keeping the withdrawn children together, they then chose to separate them out again, um, which we, we were... We were really unhappy with. How, how did your children react to this? I said, do you know what the we we've said uh, we we've had a lot of interviews on this when uh, when of course the case was still undecided, um, and we've said repeatedly we we're, we're really lucky with our kids. I think fundamentally, if you ask them how they felt in school, um, they weren't nuts about it. I mean, they they they, they I think they felt. Uh, a little bit excluded because literally you, they were being put in a side room at that time. Um, you've got to remember this has played out over a lot of years. So when they were little, to an extent, they they didn't understand quite so much. 
as they've got older and they've got a little bit more savvy and they've questioned it, they 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 don't they don't want to be part of it or they've elected themselves not to be a part of it. We've always ensured that they've had the choice. Um, but as as Lizanne said, the the sad bit for them really was the necessity for them to be excluded. Um, and whereas a lot of our cases hinged upon uh, a our, our right or the kids' human right to a meaningful alternative, let's not forget what forces that in the first place. Well, first, is that the, the collective worship law is a divisive law uh, because the second you say that um, Christianity needs to um, be uh, observed as, as, as truth within that school, you can, of course, with, withdraw your children, but it forces their withdrawal. It forces the alternative. Um, and there are many, many schools um, that have got a remarkable amount of diversity in bigger cities clearly than the Cotswolds, where they do manage to run assemblies without exerting one religious uh, one religion as truth, and they manage to run them inclusively. And that was our our, our recurring point with the school. Um, it is at your discretion. You can change it, and you can choose to include our children, but you're not. What, what was your sense of, among other parents uh, were most of them happy with the the way that the worship was carried out? Um, well, a lot of them didn't even know it existed. Again, like ours, it's not something you look you look at when you're looking at um, at primary schools. Um, there is there is a contingency of Christians in this area, so to them it wouldn't. I, I can't imagine that it would be um, an issue for them. You have the parents that also like us aren't happy with it but won't withdraw their children because they don't want their children to feel excluded and there there they there were quite a few parents in that school that wouldn't do that um and only up until i think it was last last march april time where when we made it more aware to parents that this was still going on but then other parents did decide to take um to take their children out and again there was a parent last year who's had it who had a daughter in year six who was livid when she found out that this was going on she'd been there for six years six seven years and it took for for another parent to tell her about this assembly for her then to remove her children as well so i think you've got quite a mixed batch of parents there's yeah so basically the school is giving you a really invidious choice either you have to have to be exposed to this very um sort of evangelical christian worship or they're excluded um and uh, did you notice the the christian worship having an effect on your children while they were undergoing it or have any parents said that they've, they've noticed well, it, on their children? It was the stories where they said that um you know they were coming home and said god created the world and it's like well in seven days and then you know it was or you know that there was the years ago no this man called Noah lived to be 800 and he saved all the animals and it's just stories like that well they're nice they're okay stories but they're not truth and that's what we had to do we had to then unpick that from from what the school was telling them which we don't want as parents we don't want to do we don't want to be in a position where we're contradicting the school that we send our children to uh, to be educated and informed in that was the first thing the best we had available at the moment again i still see this as a despite our case a consolation prize we 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 have to remove them we have to take them out away from their friends somewhere else so i do think it affected them i think it's naive to say that it didn't affect them um, but again, th- this is this has played out over a very formative age, over a seven-year period. Um, so we've just had to make sure that we do our part as parents to 
to balance that conversation and and in many cases that's meant contradicting the school that we send them to oh yeah a very very uncomfortable situation to be in and the um for the for the, uh, for the children again um and we raised time and again with the head teacher and the governors long before we went down the legal process and that was to say in the eyes of the children if a grown-up is saying it as far as they're concerned, on behalf of the school, they are going to take it. We, we are telling them, we, we ask them to listen to their teachers. We ask them to um, go, go to school to learn. So in their view, it's another grown-up in the context of the school, if it is a member of the clergy, telling them there's something um, uh, which is true. And it's very, very difficult to un, un, unpick that or, or to explain to children of that age that 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 line. It was a, it was a, it was a, it wasn't one occasion. This was, this has played out over a long period of time. So how many times per year would, would they go to the church? Um, so they have the Easter service, which is in obviously April, March time. Um, then you've got the Harvest Festival, which is in October time, which again, you know, if you were to go back to the orange of the, the origins of these festivals, they're not actually Christian festivals. They, they, they stem back hundreds and thousands of years before before Christianity came in. So for us, again, they say they're teaching us the meaning of, they're teaching the children the meaning of the Harvest Festival and the meaning of Easter. Well, they're not really. They're teaching the children the Christian part of that festival. Mm. Um, and also things like the part of what you would have seen played out in the press, things like the, the things which we have managed to get turned around, things like the Leavers Assembly, for example, was held at the church. Um, and so, so at the end of uh, at the end of that, the the, the, the children's time uh, within the school, uh, one of the objections we raised was they were given a Bible at the back end of them leaving the school, uh, and we're told this is your guide for life when you leave when when you leave school. If you're ever not sure about anything, you turn to this book. That was the leaving, you know, that that's the leaving present on the back end of their entire education over that period. Now we've managed to, you know, that's one of the areas where we've been successful, mm-hmm. and we're we're grateful for that uh, that we've got that overturned. We we I I hope and I, well I I know that we've challenged their thinking uh, in in that regard. Um, but there were a hundred instances, Emma, where I think we can we, we can point to where it was just not essential or appropriate to use the church it, it just became the default because of the relationship that existed yes and then what really um took the biscuit for us last year was when the head teacher from what i can tell received a phone call from the church to say that they had a guy called warren Furman. now i don't know if you've heard warren Furman. um he was ace from the gladiators back in the 90s um and he was going around touring schools giving assemblies um and what what's what's his story he is um he is a evangelical ministry who he who's you go on his website his sole purpose is to turn people and children to jesus now bearing in mind that we had already removed our children from these sort of assemblies our children and the other children that had been removed were made to attend this assembly. Um, even our children raised their hands and said, I don't think we should be going to see this man. And the head teacher said, no, no, you, you have to go to this assembly. Um, and no, but they, there was no communication to parents that he was coming uh, to the school. There was no learning objectives associated with um, his visit. He was not told that there were children of different beliefs in this school. So his language was definitely not tapered. Um, we only found out about it when the children came home 
and told us that a gladiator had been to see them at school. The, the remarkable thing about this, sorry to chime in on here, but the remarkable thing for us, right? That, that's all incredibly valid. The thing which really stood out like a sore thumb to us was this was still a visitor, right? a visitor unknown to the school. There was no research. There was nothing taken no. through the visitor's policy. This was a grown man unknown to the school allowed to come in um, and talk directly um, to the children, just based upon the association with the church. No, no, nothing else. Nothing else no other process. Um, and these are all things which, when when we when we started to address the relationship between the church and the school, um, as parents, we were again batted away more times than I can count. This is this is the relationship um, that that, it, that exists. Um, we 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 weren't ever. Our, our concerns were never given credence. We were always told, along with the collective worship law and along with the human rights of our kids for an alternative, we were told repeatedly, there's no conversation to be had here. It didn't matter how far we escalated it and how many governors we sat in front of, the answer was still the same. So you eventually went to high court with this. Um, how many years did you try to um, challenge the school within um, the school body or the governing body before you we, went? We to- were constantly, we were constantly saying this isn't right. Something's got to change here because um, we, we 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 then removed our children from like the Easter service and the uh, Harvest Festival. Now these can go these. Um, um, festivals been going for like an hour and a half now we just I had had conversations with the class teachers and said look they're not going to the harvest festival in October they're going to be in your care for an hour and a half they can't just be left to their own devices they need to have some sort of activity that that's of educational worth um, and the teachers seemed fine with it but then when I went to go collect the children at three o'clock at pickup time um, they've been left in a meeting room on iPads for an hour and a half um, with the teaching assistant. Now, that for me, I could have taken them home early and given them an education myself, not for them just to be sat there. So that was the kind of crux that not, they need to now have. It's not good enough for them just to be sat in a room. They need to have an education. They are in your care from nine o'clock in the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon. It is your duty as a school to educate our children. So basically so, what you're saying is there just was no provision for well, any... No. Absolutely no provision. And when we questioned it with the head teacher, she, she turned around to us and said that it was it was down to us to provide an education for the children during that period of time, which, again, we escalated to the governors, and the governors then ruled it would be discriminating to the other children that go to the festivals if our children got an education at that time, which was just bizarre. So, um, so, so Emma, you, you, part of your question was what, 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 what led us to that. So, what Lizanne's just described uh, was a between the events with Warren Furman. I think was probably one trigger point. Yeah. Second trigger point was that 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 har- the Harvest Festival when, when the kids were just left for an unacceptable period of time with no education at all. Again, just left in a side room. Um, I then wrote a piece. This is probably our introduction to the NSS. Um, I wrote a, a a blog piece about our experiences and if I'm being very candid Emma, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if, if we ever did it with a view to it getting any real response uh, but we did want to share it because we thought we, we knew that there was a that there was a conversation to be had here. We had also just to be clear been in touch with the NSS to say look you know this law exists we're just constantly being told you know yeah. that no there's no you, there's no conversation here to be had there's nothing we can do um so when we got in touch with the NSS they were really helpful and they gave us um 
a lot of ammunition to go for when we when we escalated yeah. the complaints right to the top of the governors. Yeah, so we we did a, a bit, this this is an important point really because we 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 didn't we didn't know the rights for our kids, right? I think that was the first thing. We knew we knew as parents that we wanted to stand up for them, but we didn't really know anything about any other cases. We didn't really know uh, what we had available to us. Um, that was our, uh, I know you, you've not asked us to speak about the NSS, but I do think it's important to mention that in the absence of you guys picking it up, I, we we wouldn't have moved it. We we would have found it difficult to have moved it forward. Um, and the school gave you no guidance on your rights. No, 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 no. I think I think they have even to this day. I think they have less idea of uh, the rights of our children than we do. Um, so uh, when you when you offered to publish um, uh, publish my initial piece, um, which which I wrote, and um, that that genuinely gave it traction yeah. uh, and began that uh, began okay. that conversation. And that was December um, twenty eighteen. Um, so? <laughs> uh, no, you'd published it before yeah. December twenty eighteen. You'd published yeah. it, I think. Um, it must have been October time, maybe just yeah. before September, October time. And then, could you take us through what what happened after that? So ODS. Uh, so once that blog had been published, um, ODST uh, sent a very nasty letter, a very bullying letter to um, to you guys, um, saying that it was inaccurate, um, lots of other stuff in there, lots of bullying terms in there, and that you should take it down. Um, which for us isn't well no we 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 agreed to refine one bit that related uh, to to their funding agreement that what they couldn't do was to to point out any uh, inaccuracies. inaccuracies because of course it was anecdotal and it, it was our uh, the the experience we'd had had actually been recorded uh, through the school literally um the governor's meeting had been recorded so they couldn't make on what had actually happened um so wh- when we went out um we we learned as, as it's well known uh, the humanists uh, became involved in our case because what they aided us with uh was to understand the human rights um of, of the children and what they were entitled to um and told us that we were entitled to, to the meaningful alternative so so the really humanists uk also got in touch with you then that's yes. that's correct on the, on the, on the strength of, of the blog that you you published yeah so so they so they so they they well we we were a little bit like the nss we were in conversation with the humanists because we were we we follow and and i, and I guess stand behind the, the the values of both um but nonetheless um the humanists helps us understand a little bit more about our our about hu- human, human rights law and what the children yeah. were entitled to and also shared the experience of some other parents but what we hadn't what we hadn't realized at that point um and i and i don't know and and hopefully it's of interest to to, to, to the audience how how this case got escalated um we we didn't really know that no parent had really challenged the collective worship law and the meaningful alternative in a with a and were prepared to sort of push through on 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 the case so the interesting thing for us is when we first when, when we launched the um or we launched our proposal for the judicial review and they were, we were granted um the right to take it to the high court um the press was significant for us on just on on that day alone i mean it it hit um many of the major news channels and and, and newspapers just by the fact that we were challenging it so what was remarkable about that particular day albeit a a tsunami of of emails and, and, and calls over that time was just we hadn't realized how many people this affected 
out, outside of uh, us and how many people it felt the same things. way as us as well yeah we, we are just umpteen amounts of support on it yeah yeah did it was it was genuinely overwhelming did you get stories of other people having similar experiences Yes, um, so we'd had um, we'd had a letter written to us saying that they had also challenged it within their school, um, but obviously hadn't gotten as far as ours, um, and had eventually had the open book removed from the school. Yeah. Um, so obviously, the head teacher of that school felt yeah. under pressure to remove them. Yeah, and Lizanne and I we, we we took a bit of a, a view on how engaged we were throughout this process because we 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 agreed to do a limited number of press interviews because we we thought you know neither one of us are, are PR people we we just wanted to be able to do what we do uh, do the right thing by our children but we were happy to talk about the facts of the case. Um, but we we did over a period of time start to look at the news reviews and and and, and things on social, and once you get past a a, a nasty demographic of extreme uh, people, which are very much we would you know we hope that you and your children burn in hell and various variations of that. Once you get past those, ninety five percent of it were people engaging, and I have to make make the point. Not just people that share that you would put under the category of atheism, uh, people of differing religions and also of Christianity that just said, "Look, we wouldn't look to exert our that this is this is what we do in our school." It wasn't. Uh, it's quite interesting that many people see this as a divisive thing on behalf of atheism, and it's really not. Because what Lizanne and I have been really open with is that we are huge supporters of the RE curriculum because ultimately we want our children to understand how other people think and believe. Um, so what we had a great amount of support on is where you have people going, well, no, regardless of your religion, belief or non-belief, for this to be exerted on young children at, uh, at such an influential age is just is just not acceptable. So did the case actually get heard in the High Court? Or, no, so never got that no. far. You settled before. We, well, well, we did, uh, and again, we we've been asked why we settled, and and the and the the clear answer is that is we we had a clear set of criteria that we asked the school for, which never changed, and ultimately, when you uh, the court would view is have we or haven't we been offered what it is that we we asked for in the first place, and so far. So far, they, they're in writing, they've agreed to their concessions, although they are yet to implement them. Um, but the, I mean, I, I'm happy to be quite vocal on this. They, they, they did not want this to see the inside of a courtroom. Right? And I'm uh, absolutely certain of it because what they stood to lose on, if, if it made its way to the high court and, the decision, uh, and if the decision didn't go their way, uh, then, of course, the impact would have been uh, beyond just our set of circumstances in our school um so it was made very clear to us that they um uh, by our, our lawyers that it's in their in their interest to settle before um it, it hit the high court i i personally i personally would have liked to have seen how it played out sure so the, the school have basically acceded to your demands but um i understand that they are have only agreed to change their um, assemblies to be more inclusive until your children leave the school is that right uh, no, they haven't. They haven't agreed for the assemblies to be um, inclusive at all. They are going to continue with the collective worship ones. However, our children and the children that are already withdrawn are going to be provided with a meaningful educational alternative. So um, this is this. They've met the terms. In other words, for us, 
as parents until our children leave the school you're quite right um, and one of the things I think the the school needs to be continually challenged on right outside of our case I mean by other parents um, and also by the broader educational bodies that have an influence over this if this is going to stop uh, the second our, our children leave the school what effectively the school are saying is that they are happy to keep a divisive environment uh, for the children in their care you what a lot of the press statements the school have come out with and the and the trust for that matter they've said they they continue their commitment to inclusivity and i'm sorry they just don't get away with saying that and i don't care whether we've resolved this inside outside of course or not you can't say you run an inclusive environment for those children and divide assemblies based upon belief you can't say that for 20 percent of the kids assemblies during the week we this is this is us we believe this we're going in this room you don't believe it so you go and sit in that one until we're finished you can't call yourself an inclusive school when you do that so whereas i'm it is a significant win of course it is to get a meaningful alternative it's still a consolation prize to inclusivity as far as i'm concerned for those kids so so basically the schools have, have agreed that on on the wednesdays there will be a meaningful secular alternative to um, the religious collective worship. Um, and what about in, in the Harvest Assembly, the end of year assembly and, and um, the Easter? Yeah, so they've agreed that um, they will look at other venues before using the church. They've got a list of criteria um, that they need to acknowledge um, before using the church. Um, they will no longer hand out Bibles at the Leavers Assembly, which is a, a good win. So as, as far as your children are concerned, are you happy with the concessions the school has made? Uh, yes, it's nice that they're going to educate our children now in those periods of time. Um, what would be nice is if they did see that the, the collective worship law doesn't provide an inclusive environment and that these open book assemblies are, are still excluding children and they, they, it needs to go. It needs to go. Yeah, we've got we've got to take the we. On the one hand, we we can't play down. It's a significant win, right? If if you look at the fact that this has never been taken to a judicial review before, it's never been given the opportunity to have exposure in the High Court, and this is the first time it's been challenged. And as a result, we've won the right for a meaningful alternative for the children. In which case, we've got to take that as a huge win. Um, but I, I did say at the very beginning, and Lizanne and I agreed when we took on this process, it is a consolation prize because the we can't say for it, it, we, we we can't say that the it, it's a good thing for the kids that they still have to be excluded, and it is the collective worship law uh, which is which creates a divisive environment for them. Sure, yeah. So as as long as the, the collective worship law allows schools to have. Um, Christian-only assemblies, then children are yes. always going to be excluded. We also need to be clear that, you know, Ofsted don't enforce this law. They don't measure it. They don't measure it. The Department of Education, they don't measure it at all. There's schools that just ignore it. Um, and so just because we live in the Cotswolds in a, I, well, I don't know what you'd call it, like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's predominantly... Christian, uh, that, yeah. that, that it's okay and, it, and it's not, you know. And the thing we always found remarkable, Emma, was, uh, is that... It, surely the the inclusivity of the kids have got to be the most important thing because if you if you're put in the relationship of an outside body right it's an outside church i mean even if you keep the collective worship law in whatever guise you interpret it 
the school are under no obligation to go to that local church and invite them in for 20% of the kids' assemblies of the week. They're under no obligation to do that whatsoever. No part of the law tells them that they need to bring in the church once a week to talk to those children. So what's always been remarkable to us is that relationship appears to be more important to keep intact uh, than, than the inclusivity of the kids. And despite the fact that the school is not a faith school, but simply a member of a Christian Academy Trust, the school has been effectively acting like a faith school in the way it's treated your children and other children who aren't yeah. Christian. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the collective worship policy that is now on the school website, it is pretty much verbatim to the collective worship policy that is in the Church of England school in the next village. So it's, it, yeah. it is acting, in our opinion, it is acting like a faith school. And, and Emma, we, we're also talking in what's happened so so far. Uh, we, we've won this judicial review. Um, there is a new head teacher coming into the school. Um, from next next term at this stage we don't know uh, whether or not that new head teacher will share the views of the previous head teacher uh, or whether or not she would choose to depart from it clearly we've we've we, we've got our expectations on um, on what that should be and then in turn if the meaningful alternative is applied how well it's applied uh, because there's been a lot of conversation right and and I think broadly speaking uh, it's important that the school has backed down based upon their previous actions. But we, it's, say, we also have to say that it's ODST as well that's backed down, which I think is also very big in yep. itself because ODST are a big Christian I don't, body. Uh, body. Um, so for them to back down as well it is very significant. Sure. But, of course, it's it's only for your children and it's all going to stop once your children leave. So it's, it's not very yeah. Unless other parents uh, step up and say that they want the same, which they are more than entitled to do. So the children that are already withdrawn as well, they have stated that they want it. They want their children to be part of this meaningful alternative. When our children leave, there are they are more in their they are well in their rights to go. You've done it for this long. You need to carry it on now for my children, or we will open up this JR again. Yeah. So what what's great? What's really good news? is that our JR, or our judicial review rather, I should say, does set a precedent. It says that this can be challenged. So what it should do is to open the door to all other parents, not just of our school, but also similar schools that are in a similar situation or parents that are in a similar situation um, with with similar schools. Um, They can point to our case now and they can say, well, no, these parents have won the right um, so we, when you ask if we're pleased, when you look at it in that way, well, well, yes, of course, if this opens the door for other parents uh, and as a consequence their their children, then, then we have to take that as, as something that we're, we're delighted with. That's great. Well, what would you advise to any parents who are in a similar situation to you looking to um, challenge schools? Don't take, don't take no, no for an answer. Don't huh? take no for an answer. I mean, we sat in every level of authority within the school um, the the governor the as well. We were in many different ways told no, uh, told in strong terms how it would affect us. Um, I, it would be out of place for me to say some of the, the the language and the tone that would be used by people either within the school or associated with it. Told many times not to pursue it and got you know, extreme views. On social media, which were um, which 
which would be enough to put off a lot of people. Um, and as far as we're concerned, we, we kept on going back to our, our original intentions. We're not doing this for us, right? This is this is done solely with the children in mind. I'd like to say that we did it originally for uh, for other people. That would be disingenuous. We did it really uh, 100% with our children in mind. What we were delighted with, though, when we found out the feedback of other parents is that we learned that it is going to help other children um, and it is going to change the broader picture. Um, and I think we, we, we've grown to appreciate um, and be thankful for that uh, because, of course, it, it does open the door for other parents. So definitely don't take no for an answer um, and, and, and also be be balanced on it. I, I do genuinely hope that Lizanne and I have never been inflammatory about our views. We've always said all the way along what we're looking for is a good, balanced RE curriculum in its own context and inclusivity for the children. Everything else is just opinion based but that's fundamentally what we want for the children i would also like to encourage parents as well that have been in this to to follow suit to to use our case as an example because hopefully the more people that stand up and say no this law isn't acceptable anymore then hopefully it will change it will make the sort of the government and the department of education take a look and go well yeah okay if so many parents are against this and don't see it as relevant maybe we should look at changing it so do you think this time i mean on that point Beyond individual parents um, resisting the collective worship in individual schools, do you think it is time now for a change in the law? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's such an archaic law. Uh, we're also the only country in, in, in Europe that, it, that enforces it. Um, I genuinely, just through our, our experience in the last year, we, we, we got a sense of it when it was just us. When you, when you open up the conversation, um, it, it is on borrowed time. Yeah. Um, all it will take is for it to hit. Uh, the inside of a courtroom with the right case. And again, I, our, our case would have been a good example of that should uh, the Academy not or, or the Trust not have met our terms. I'm 100% certain of it. But um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's had its day. It's an archaic law. And it also, it contradicts the, um, the RE curriculum, which is, is taught and should be taught in a balanced way. But then when you have this collective worship law saying, well, no, Christianity is true. Your teachers may say, yes, some people believe this, some people believe that. Mm. This law is contradicting what the teachers are, are teaching in the RE curriculum because they're saying, no, the bit the Christianity is truth, and yeah. and that you just can't have that in this day and age. There, there's no room for it. There's no, there's no. Yeah. And the. And and to and, and to finish on that, Emma, we, we we've mentioned it before, but one of the things which we found, and the reason why I do think it's on borrowed time, is because we we've been told time and again um, by by our school that they were raising our kids for kids for life in a Christian country, and our biggest opposition to that was well well no we're not, we are raising our children for life in in a multicultural Britain which we're we're remarkably proud of, so. Uh, fundamentally, we already know just through our experience in the last year that schools within cities can't enforce this because, of course, you have children of multiple faiths, multiple religions and different beliefs. Therefore, they need to run their assemblies in an inclusive manner. Um, and that's only going to increase. Right? Schools aren't going to be able to implement this on a, on a practical level, which means that really collective uh, collective worship for Christianity is only ever going to diminish. So it's on borrowed time. It's a matter of how quickly people step up uh, to accelerate that process. The writing is on the wall, if you like. Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Leon Lizanne Harris, thank you very much. Thank, thank you very much, Emma.
That was episode 20 of the National Secular Society podcast, hosted by Emma Park. Further information about the topics discussed in this episode is available on the NSS website at secularism.org.uk forward slash podcast. If you would like to help us challenge religious privilege and support freedom of and from religion in Britain today, why not become a member of the NSS? Full details are on the website. Thanks for listening.